shifty. <laughs> You're looking really shifty tonight, Mr. Tiny Hotel. <laughs> Okay. Welcome to the Tiny Hotelier Podcast. One family's voyage into creative and abundant living. Hello. Welcome to Tiny Hotelier episode number... Nine. Nine. We weren't sure. It's, it's been too long. <laughs> we already feel rusty. We've only done eight episodes. <laughs> but it's been so long. It has been a long time since we recorded anything. Mm-hmm. We're glad to be back, hoping to get consistent again. Yeah, and we hope you are all doing well. This whole coronavirus thing threw us for a loop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just with all the craziness everything's kind of been on hold um did we talk about the airbnb unique fund on the last one i don't think we talked about it on the podcast but we talked about it in a blog post okay we wrote about it so airbnb um was doing this contest called the airbnb unique fund they were going to give 10 different people $100,000 to build a really cool, unique, artistic Airbnb. So it had to be a unique shape. There were four different categories that you needed to fulfill um, to be considered. It was uniqueness, feasibility, sustainability, and social. <laughs> social impact. <laughs> Ryan, you're looking blank at me. <laughs> Yeah, so we um, submitted our entry, which all you were able to enter pretty much was a 500-word essay about your idea or project that was in the works. Yeah, it was no photos or anything like that. It was just a couple check boxes and 500 words. Mm -hmm. So we painstakingly wrote our 500 words. And you did awesome. You like got it right exactly to 500. <laughs> um, it was nice to sit down and be able to write something. But uh, we, we put a lot of thought into it. We were really excited. We felt like this boat, this boat, it just gets so much attention on a daily basis in front of our house. And now that people are out walking more, whether it's spring or because they're stuck at home and they just... <laughs> are walking more. <laughs> just want to get out. Yeah. We we're still getting all the double takes and all the the looks and people taking photos of the boat. Yeah. It is definitely unique. I mentioned the contest. Didn't say anything about it. I just said Airbnb is doing a contest. They're giving some funds to a few different Airbnb ideas. And the lady I was talking to said, Well yours should win for uniqueness <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we were really excited about that, and we kind of, well, with the virus and with the contest, we just focused our efforts on that on that contest entry, and then also we were focusing on some other projects at home. So the boat was has been on hold for the last uh, month and a half, two months, two months at least, two months. It's it's been kind of sad in a way, but it's also been really nice to work on some other things and. 
with the virus and everything getting canceled, the big like the Olympics got canceled, like the Olympics and the track trials that we were hoping to host visitors for, um, it kind of eased up the urgency that we felt to get it done for this summer. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing like the obliteration of a deadline to just. <laughs> That's not true. We're still motivated and we've been doing a heck of a lot of stuff around here. But it the priorities changed and the budget changed. Like our project budget went to building a little play structure for our kids because the parks are all closed. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But we were really hoping for this unique fund to come through and then we'd have lots of budget. It felt right. <laughs> It felt serendipitous. It felt like it was meant to be. And then a day after we submitted, which we submitted, no, two days after. Anyway, we submitted the day before it was due. And then the day after it was due, the Airbnb website said that it's been postponed <laughs> or canceled. They, I'm not sure. Yeah, they said they were going to put it off till next year, at least. Um, I, maybe they just didn't get enough entries. I don't know. But we're pretty bummed. Yeah, we're feeling bummed. I mean, we're feeling grateful to be able to get excited about the project again and to outline it and to, you know, kind of visualize and to be able to portray that in a 500-word essay to someone else. So not only is it a bummer that it's canceled because we felt like we had, like, the perfect idea and the perfect timing and everything was falling together with the boat and what it needed. And Ryan found a recirculating sustainable shower, but it only costs (laughs) (laughs) $4,000. We thought the unique fund could help us with that. Um, <laughs> now we're going to have to figure out how to build on with our pennies. But <laughs> no, what I was going to say is that it kind of gives me like a determination to get the boat done before the next contest opens up and, and to have another idea flushed out or started. Because I still want to be in the running. Yeah, like get the boat done and, and we can prove that, hey, look, we've done this once before. We can do it again. Movers and shakers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and plus, I think it would be good to do a different idea with a hundred grand because I'm not sure what I would spend a hundred grand on. Oh, we were going to build a lighthouse. <laughs> but that's not the boat. <laughs> <laughs> to go with the boat. I guess we could spend a hundred grand on plants and a the dock. dock and a landscaper. <laughs> It would have been amazing. It's still going to be amazing. I think I'm going to post the essay we wrote on our website. Yeah, that'd be good. And everyone else can envision it. And everyone can be like, Airbnb, why did you pick these guys? Everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're not arrogant like this, I promise. We're just we're just joking around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every, everything's canceled. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a rough couple months. I mean, uh, and there's also been a lot of just like this big vibe of negativity and anxiety and worry, and I don't. I think that it can be felt even like we haven't been watching the news and we haven't been buying into it all, and we've been questioning, you know, things and being careful with our sources that we read, um, and just trying to tune a lot of it out. But we can still, like, sense that emotion that's so prevalent everywhere. Um, and unfortunately, it seems like the crisis brings out a lot of, like, 
true colors in a lot of different entities. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to go into that because I could vent. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in people as well and entities. And this is not always negative. Like there's been so many awesome examples of people helping people, which is amazing. Um, but like if I'm ever feeling kind of wrapped up in it all, Ryan always reminds me that the answer is to do more permaculture. (laughs) (laughs) Even if all the conspiracy theories or all the corruption or all the politics or all the agendas, like even if some of them are true, the answer, um, to make life better is to do more permaculture. I like it. Yeah. To just focus on being a little more self-sufficient building the community around you and, you know, trying to make sure you can meet your needs even more and help out others around you. Mm-hmm. And there, there's kind of a mindset shift that goes on. And that brings me to our topic of tonight, which is a permaculture inspired uh, idea. Mm-hmm. Well, I, when I thought about doing this one, I was thinking that, you know, right now, financially, it's hard for a lot of people. I know at my company, there's been some layoffs and there's you know, reports of quite a bit of unemployment going on. So I thought this idea um, of eight forms of capital would be good to talk about because there's way more um, forms of capital than just money. So if you missed it, the topic tonight is eight forms of capital. (laughs) He kind of doesn't breeze by that. (laughs) Um, So it's from an article. And who's the author? It's from Appleseed Permaculture by Ethan Rowland and Gregory Landau. Dua? Dua? Dua. Gregory Landua. Gregory L. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) It's a really great article. And at the very beginning, they ask, what if global finances were redesigned using permaculture principles? Or what if the finance system looked more like an ecosystem? Yeah. What if it wasn't just extract resource here and, you know, pay these people here in in non-circular fashion? It's not rebuilding and regenerating and building on its... It's not a holistic focus. Correct. So... If we were to look at capital and global finances more holistically, and I think it's important to define capital, which they do, which is wealth in form of money or other assets or valuable resources of any kind. So there's eight forms that they talk about, and maybe we can just go through them. And then um, the meat of it is kind of in the last couple forms of capital, I think. But let's define the eight forms. Okay, the first one is social capital, and they say this is influence or connections. So this is the influence you have um, or the connections that you have, I guess, personally as an individual. And if you have those connections, then you have capital in being able to ask favors, um, you communicate effectively, you're able to influence decisions around you. It's kind of like you have social clout. Yeah, and just this helps to find value in those interactions. For example, we have some neighbor friends that we made, and they knew we were having a new baby soon, and they didn't need this hiking backpack that they 
had and they don't plan on having another baby i guess and so they brought it down to us and that's a benefit of social capital because we have a connection there and so social capital can actually pay dividends in that way mm-hmm. it's not saying that we like made friends with them so we'd get stuff for free it's not that <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know they had the hiking backpack they wanted to get rid of <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like you know doing it for building community and knowing the people around you but those connections have value Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's tangible and sometimes it's not. Um, the next form of capital that people often don't realize is material capital. So this is non-living physical objects. So this is like raw processed resources, stone, metal, tim- timber. Um, material capital doesn't include the junk in your closet or garage. <laughs> <laughs> it might. You might be able to use some of that junk and uh, take it to the recycler. (laughs) That's true. Maybe. Um, But the focus is kind of on raw processed resources. Yeah, and they talk about these things can be, he calls it complexed, where they're mixing together to form something else. Like you take some timber and some metal and you make a boat that's in your driveway. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um. Because it's going to be the new trend of homemade wood boat in every driveway. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. So the third form of capital is the kind that everybody is always focused on. Um, financial capital. This is money. This is where the world puts the majority of their attention. Um, I like in their definition they mention that financial capital is often a powerful tool of oppression or it has the potential to be a powerful tool in liberation. Um, another thing about financial capital is it also has some links to these other forms of capital. For example, if you don't have any social capital with somebody else, they're not likely to like lend you money or transact with you. Mm-hmm. If they don't trust you, they don't want anything to do with you financially. And so um, some of these are interlinked like that. The next one is living capital. So this is stuff that is alive. Um, it's measured in acres, ounces, and hooves. <laughs> <laughs> so animals, plants, uh, your soil. Um, and I always think of a tree in this when I think of living capital, um, you tr- transfer some financial capital to buy a little a little baby tree, and then it yields dividends over years and years and years of giving you apples or whatever kind of tree it is. You're looking really shady. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I, I feel like um, with the world the global emphasis on financial capital, sometimes there is often a short-term view of living capital or like living capital gets thrown under the bus in the name of monetary profits. Um, but this is the true, living capital is the true basis of life and the planet. Yeah, like if you are rich in living capital, you're doing really well. Like you got to, 
if you have a property that's got a lot of trees that are producing fruits and uh, nuts and things like that, and you have good soil, you can grow a lot of things. If you've got animals like chickens or cows or anything, all those things are going to be producing and creating value for you, your family, and if you're running a business for that too. Mm-hmm. And permaculture really encourages um, sharing the abundance of living capital rather than just having the intangible wealth of financial capital. So sometimes people maybe define their wealth on the amount they have in a bank account and they forget to remember all these other things that can be included. Yeah, and that's kind of what we've been doing a little bit these last few weeks as we've been building. We've been building some living capital on our little tiny urban lot here, putting in some extra garden boxes, uh, putting in our, expanding our veggie garden. We bought some quail for eggs. Oh yeah, that too. Next one is intellectual capital. So this is knowledge, things that you've learned like through formal education. The emphasis um, of intellectual capital is, is really touting that formal education is the way to success and the only way to success. I mean, sometimes there's kind of like a narrow view, but that's not always the best way to create a resilient and thriving community. Um, when we were in high school, it was, what college are you going to? What university are you going to? And I'm all for that. I, I loved my time at university. I'm glad that I got the degrees I did. And I think, Ryan, you probably feel the same way. But I think it's important to realize that that's not the route for everybody to find success. Yeah. It's been kind of sold as the only path when really there's a lot of different paths to take. And I, you've got a note there that says, like, financially, sometimes that path doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Often it doesn't make sense. I, I think universities are getting more and more expensive, and what you get out of it is less and less Um. And I think there is a paradigm shift happening and it will probably continue to happen that as more and more people are focusing on like purely intellectual capital, a lot of them are not learning things that are truly hands-on skills. I think more people want to kind of go back. Yeah. And another way to build um, intellectual capital is uh, through creating what we consider, you know, traditional intellectual property uh, through writing or art or things like that. Those also fall under intellectual capital. And those things can pay you dividends in the long run as well. Mm -hmm. I guess it's just good to um, figure out what path, what type of intellectual capital is truly beneficial and what individual strength someone has before they choose their route. Um, and also to realize that there are many, 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 many ways to be a life learner, which is very important. Number six. (laughs) Experiential or human capital. This is hands-on experience. Um, when I was thinking about this and I first read it, I thought experiential capital is wisdom, um, because you take your intellectual capital or the things that you've learned, and you put that into action. And then you learn about stuff that you could never learn just by thinking about it or reading about it. Mm -hmm. It's going the next step. Or maybe even you don't have the intellectual capital, but you muddle through. (laughs) 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 
and then <laughs> and you you still gain the human capital. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the school of hard knocks. And they mentioned that experiential capital often combines social, intellectual, and experiential. Like those three go together pretty well. And if you have those three, it's a great way to um, make your project or community gender, whatever. It's a great way to make it very impactful and successful. We are gaining (laughs) (laughs) experiential capital on the boat in our driveway. And on this podcast. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay, number seven, spiritual capital. Um, This includes practicing your religion or belief system or the means of connection to self and the universe. Doing those things accumulates your spiritual capital. Yeah, this one's hard to uh, quantify, really. It's kind of a mix of intellectual and experiential capital. Because you're, it's an experience, really. Mm-hmm. And they kind of talk about how it, the measurements in spiritual capital. Um, there's many religions that have ideas of spiritual currency. I thought that was an interesting idea. So, example, Buddhists have the idea of karma. Or a lot of religions have an idea that just by being able to exist or existing means that we should create beauty and gratitude in our lives and in the lives of those around us. I really like that. And also existing and having this opportunity to have a life means that you should be a good community member and and watch how you treat others. You should treat others well and with kindness, which I think is, is important and sad but true, I think a lot of people, especially with like social media, that it's kind of that idea is kind of being lost. Yeah, a disconnect there. And the last one is. Is it the last one? Maybe. <laughs> oh, you've got a bonus. <laughs> Cultural capital. Uh, this is the only one you can't really build by yourself. It's not held by any individual. It's the community's capital. Mm -hmm. So it's shared. Um, It involves the internal and external processes of a community. And it could be things like songs that we share culturally, holidays and seasons that are shared, art and theater that are shared in your community or created in your community. Yeah, just those traditions that make a place special. And those are the eight forms of capital, which is like so much more than just measuring things solely in financial capital. Yeah, I think in the article, um, they give an example of they wanted to host this permaculture workshop, um, but they couldn't make it work out financially. It just didn't make sense on paper. But then when they expanded their view to all these other forms of capital, it did make more sense because they get this experience, they get this social. There were all these other things that... um, That they weren't quantifying before. And that are hard to quantify, but if you consider them, it... It may be worth the cost. hmm <laughs> So if I can be so bold, I, as I was reading through this article and learning about the eight forms of capital, I was kept thinking, there's a ninth form, or in my head, there's a ninth form. And um, I would say that there should be a health and wellness capital. And this can be your individual physical health or the overall physical health of a community, Um, especially 
with all of the Western modern day diseases that are chronic and debilitating and like such a drain on society and on emotional well-being. I mean, if you don't feel good physically, then you're having a hard time um, gaining any of these other types of capital. Yeah, and that doesn't really fit. I was thinking maybe it could fit under the living capital bucket, but it's a little different. And so I think that's a good point. Mm-hmm. So nine forms of capital for us. <laughs> well, I was thinking there was another one as oh, well. Ten, ten. <laughs> There's not one for time on there. Mm, they mention that. I, I mean, they mention in passing that time could also be one to be considered. Mm, yeah, because I would... In a permaculture context, I always think of how you want to set up things to be efficient so you're not wasting a bunch of time. And so I think that's something you should always keep in mind when you're doing anything is trying to make it time efficient. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. So so what's the conclusion here? Why are we talking about these eight forms of capital? Um, why shouldn't we just consider money as the only important form of capital in our decision making, whether in our own individual lives or globally or our government leaders? I think you just have to look around at where it's gotten us to. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is true. <laughs> like it's done a lot of great things, but there's also a lot to be um there's also a lot lacking in our society and culture. Mhm. Yeah, I think, well, I don't want to be a downer, but I feel like um, the world is kind of going downhill (laughs) more and more. And it gives us an opportunity to think more holistically and to broaden our thinking and to try to fix some of the problems in the world. Yeah, by looking, if every decision was made with these eight forms of capital in mind, I think our communities would be structured quite a bit differently. I always think of subdivisions because I hate (laughs) like (laughs) urban sprawl or suburban sprawl Mm -hmm. and uh, cul-de-sac neighborhoods. Um, If those are only considered in a financial aspect, there's no cultural aspect considered. Um, The health of the people is not considered. The health of the land is not considered. Yeah, there's just a lot of things that are just completely neglected in there and it's only a financial decision and i think it's led to a lot of issues and problems Mm -hmm. um and just thinking more holistically and in terms of these now 10 forms of capital (laughs) (laughs) i think that it can really extend our thinking on concepts of wealth and poverty and i kind of had an experience in college um i i did a study abroad in kenya for It was a short, like a quick course, a four-week course. But we went to a lot of different places in Kenya, and we interviewed different stakeholders of different um, environmental things that were going on. But we went up into some hills, and we passed through this village. I will never forget seeing these villagers. And, I mean, here I am from Utah State University seeing Kenya, a developing country. Um... And these people in this village were so happy. They had nothing, you know, little shacks with corrugated metal roofing. And they had nothing. And they were just smiling and they were bright. And they had these beautiful fields all around their shacks. And they were just, 
the impact that that left on me of how happy they seemed, even though they had next to nothing in terms of financial wealth, really impacted my thinking on on these ideas. So I think a lot of non-Western cultures um, do think about this a little more holistically, and they do have riches in the other forms of capital rather than the financial. Well, that's why Americans love to travel to Europe so much, right? It's because there's a lot of great cultural things to see there. There's cool architecture, and there's all sorts of festivals that are fun to go see. I mean, we dream about traveling to these places that are rich in cultural capital. Mm-hmm. Or in living capital. Yeah, like going to some place like going to see the jungle. Costa Rica. Oh, yeah. Like places where there's abundant wildlife and trees and greenery. And, yeah, we we dream about going to these places that are rich in these other form of forms of capital. Mm-hmm. Um, so thinking about these forms of capital can lead to decreased consumption, more equity, empowering the oppressed, um, whether it's the communities or or the planet. And I think it can help you feel a little better about your own situation. Maybe you're not rich financially, but you may be doing really well in some of these other categories. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And you might, um, you might feel trapped in the financial aspect of where you are spinning your wheels, but you might find that you have resources to build these other forms of capital. I can't remember where I heard it, but someone was on a trip in Yellowstone uh, in the winter, and they were doing one of those snowcat tours where you're driving. There's a driver and taking a small tour group around in in one of those snowcats, and the person was asking the driver about um, how they end up here. Like, how'd you end up doing this job? And they um, they made that choice consciously. It paid less than what they were doing before, but they enjoyed the freedom that came with it. And so they traded the financial side of it for other forms of capital. And it brought a lot more richness richness to their life, a lot more balance. So if you're more balanced in these other forms of capital, uh, you can feel a lot more joy in your life. This is a theme, a major theme in many motion pictures. In fact, <laughs> we just watched yesterday, which we enjoyed, um, and he did that exact thing. He gave up like the financial capital in order to have the cultural capital and smaller scale lifestyle. Yeah, it was the movie Yesterday. I think a lot of us dream of having the courage to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Last, my well, the last thing that I had, Ryan might have more to tell you. <laughs> we'll see. He's a man of many, many words. I haven't talked ice cream yet. Oh, ice cream. Okay. <laughs> last on topic idea <laughs> is that if you were looking to focus on um, a few of these that would make the most impact, the most positive change, can you guess which two? According to the author. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, I think in the United States, I think cultural um, cultural capital is lacking. Ding, ding, ding. That's one of them. Building cultural capital 
um, can make great positive changes. And the other one is... I would say the health one, but that wasn't uh, one of their categories. <laughs> yes, my category wins. I'm going to give that point to you. <laughs> no, the other one is living capital. So focusing more on uh, nurturing the planet and nurturing ourselves through that, which will, you know, bring along the health aspect. Yeah. One of my passions is this connection between environmental health and sustainability and human health and well-being. If you're eating locally organically from your own backyard growing it yourself victory garden style well right now (laughs) 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 it all comes together like that's what we mean by holistic it's all interlinked yeah so let's try it come on world (laughs) this is your pep talk (laughs) (laughs) you can do it (laughs) And on that note, we're going to eat some ice cream. (laughs) It's time for the best, sweetest part of our podcast. (laughs) Sorry, I got the giggles. So tonight, for our ice cream delight, Ryan found a new ice cream brand that I'd never seen before. In a square box. It comes in a square cardboard box. That sounds ghetto. (laughs) Which is not politically correct. I found it on the the street corner. (laughs) No, it's it's an ice cream carton box, but it's square (laughs) like a cube. (laughs) Okay, anyway. (laughs) It's called Cold Crush Ultra Premium Ice Cream. And I will tell you, it is ultra premium. (laughs) Supreme. (laughs) With sprinkles. No, there's no sprinkles. Okay. So, this flavor is sweet creamy rhubarb, which I'm extra excited about because when we were in when we were in Ontario, Canada, woofing, uh, we stopped in this little town on a holiday and they had an ice cream shop, like a small local one that made its own ice cream and the flavor of the day. So I'm I'm kind of a chocolate gal, but the flavor of the day was rhubarb pie ice cream and it was amazing (laughs) (laughs) it was really good it was really really good so rhubarb ice cream here we come oh wait rhubarb ice cream with a rhubarb swirl Mm, that's good that's my line (laughs) oh (laughs) that's right how is it ryan it's good (laughs) me the lid back prepare yourself for your first taste of bliss that's their slogan since 1913 you get a pint and a half they are from iowa which i'm sorry it's not local to us but all their ice cream is made with dairy from farms within 75 miles of their production facility so if we lived within 75 miles of their production facility, we'd be doing really good. <laughs> it kind of tastes like strawberry, but that might be psychological because it's pink. Vegetable juice for color, that's good. <laughs> yeah, there's no strawberry in it. But the first ingredient is cream, so it's actually real ice cream. It's not frozen dessert, it's real ice cream. Mm-hmm. Go out and get yourself some cold crush my friends it's yummy 
Thank you for listening, and I hope that you're well and being safe and cautious. I also would encourage you to be thinking critically and questioning the things that you hear during this time. That's something that's been on my mind quite a bit lately, just um, just finding out from from real sources and... It's hard. Just it's hard think. right now with all the noise. <laughs> right. Try to listen to your own gut, your own intuition, and to think positively. I think that's the big thing is think positively. Don't buy into the fear. It seems like there's a lot of fear being mongered. and That's right. There's a lot of clickbait journalists. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. It's Yeah, we could go on on this topic, but... Be happy. Don't be fearful. Do more permaculture. Grow your own food. Meet your neighbors. Love and well wishes. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you again for listening to the Tiny Hotelier podcast. Our podcast show notes for each episode can be found at tinyhotelier.com slash podcast. If you would like to support the show, we are a verified content creator on Brave Rewards. To find out more, visit tinyhotelier.com slash brave. Thanks!